Saturday afternoon, the Hatters go to the Vitality Stadium or Dean Court if you're of a uh, certain age for Bournemouth versus Luton Town, a game that I think we're all looking at as one that we can win. I'll ask James Cunliffe of the Lutonian that and much more in the preview podcast of Bournemouth Away. James, we ready to get going? Let's do it. Here's the intro. Welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. This time it's a preview of Bournemouth away, Saturday, three o'clock, not on UK TV. So if you don't have a ticket for the game, you'll need the radio or, dare I say it, dodgy streams to um, to watch the game. Joining me to preview it is the Lutonian journalist, James Cunliffe. I'm your host, Kev, as always. Let's get cracking. And James... The big teams are out of the way for a little while, as we highlighted in the Man, uh, Man City review. We shouldn't make the mistake of thinking this is going to be an easy game, but it is an easier game than the certainly than the last two that we've had. I'll ask that question I always ask when these big teams don't come along. Is it a must-win game? It's starting to feel like it, isn't it? Um, I think you've got to get something from them. They're starting to... Pull away. I mean, it's only three wins, but it shows you what that can do. But uh, they are the form team. Them and Liverpool, the form team, of the Premier League at this current moment in time. I, they've only Liverpool got more points than them since they won their first game, and they didn't get um, they didn't get much from the opening nine. So uh, the, the the pick up in form is concerning, considering we were looking after this block of games against the big boys to then maybe try and get something with them. But on the other hand, it's also something you can look at and say, well, that's what Luton can do. This, the option is there. The possibilities are there. If um, you can string a couple of results together and then shoot up the table. I mean, it's easier said than done, but you've got to start somewhere. You do. Yeah. Lots of kind of historical sort of references really with this fixture. Obviously we were both minus, uh, points uh, 15 years ago in that League 2 season they only got 17 obviously we got 30 they stayed up we didn't and you know their path was a quicker trajectory than than ours in terms of the fact that they didn't have to go to the depths of despair before they recovered but in more recent times we met them in the championship uh, when Scott Parker was their manager obviously we'll always remember the scenes at Kenilworth Road and we'll probably mention them again when Bournemouth come to Kenilworth Road later in the season but actually we gave as good as we got at I keep on thinking it's Dean Court. I'll give it its due. I'm not a sponsors fan, but yeah, I'll give it its due. Vitality Stadium. At least Dean, uh, Dean Court had the fence behind the goal, didn't it? At least this yeah. one's got four stands now. So fair enough. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fixture that unlike sort of Saturday, sorry, Sunday that we, um, played Man City for the first time in 25 years. This is a more sort of regular fixture. Yeah. It's one that's, we're quite well used to. Um, and, you know, apart from this recent run of results that they've been on, um, we were one, one we were targeting for points. Um, 
it shows you what can happen in a matter of games, really. Because if you'd have asked me the question you first asked me, this is a must win, you know, four games ago, five games ago, a month ago, I'd have said, yeah, absolutely. Um, now it's a sort of definitely got to pick something up. You know, we're looking at uh, home performances that have been of such a high caliber and got nothing from them. And, uh, you know, a lot's going to rely on the home form, but you still got to go away and nick a few points here and there. And so considering the run they're on, the confident mood they're in, uh, it's going to be a really tricky game. And so, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be well happy with the point. Yeah, the fixtures do level out. Uh, we've highlighted that a couple of times in recent times, but I think it's fair to say that the four that come after this one probably look a little easier and that we'd rather have this fixture come along last month, but it hasn't done. It's come along now, and like you say, those two home performances, they do give encouragement uh, that we can certainly give with this lot of game and, and pick something up just because they've been winning games. They've probably been winning games largely as underdogs. That's an, Obviously, that's not the case when they beat Sheffield United, but does a win against Sheffield United really hold too much merit? I'll save my reservations until <laughs> Boxing Day, of course, albeit it's a different Sheffield United now under this supposed superstar manager, Chris Wilder, who isn't a superstar manager. Um, but... Looking a little bit deeper into Bournemouth's form, they've only won two home games all season. One of those was against Burnley. Again, you can hold all sorts of question marks as to the form of a win over Burnley at the moment. And even then, they needed a 40-yard goal and a goalkeeper flapping thin air to uh, win that game. Their other home win this season is against Newcastle, who seem to go AWOL when they leave St. James's Park, because apart from the 8-0 win at Sheffield United, they haven't won an away game. They were so bad at Bournemouth that night that even their fans... Bearing in mind how good things are for Newcastle at the minute, their fans turned on Kieran Trippier for the, mm. for that night. That's how bad they were. So those two home wins have got plenty of question marks over them. Now, if, obviously, if you're a Bournemouth persuasion, you're taking that combined with the away, the away wins that have gone with it. But if you're looking at it as a neutral and certainly as a Luton fan, you're like, well, they, you can pick those home wins apart. And when you're looking for crumbs of comfort, that's what you got to do really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's probably, um, a, a result of how they are set up to play or what they have done so far and what they've done so well is that they're quite happy not to have so much of the ball. I think they're in the low 40% possession uh, for possession and play on the counter. And so if you're looking at that, that they've only got two wins at home where you're supposed to have more of the impetus, but they go away, particularly to Old Trafford, and you've got to give them their dues. They absolutely battered Manchester United 3-0. Should have been a lot more. Um, you've got to give them their dues, but they they, they played that way because they were away. Maybe the shackles were off. The pressure's all on Manchester United. And um, and so the, are they going to have that when they, when they play at home against Luton? Because Luton are another team that are quite happy not to have the ball. So they're going to probably have to have more of it. And maybe that works in Luton's favour in the same way it's worked in Bournemouth's favour when they've been on the road. I think the possibilities are there. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that they like to play on the counter-attack and I only caught bits of that Bournemouth-Newcastle game because it was the day that we were at Old Trafford and, um, you know, the signal down on the M6 for my sort of iPad Wi-Fi was 
touch and go at the best of times. So uh, I was fleeting in and out of the game, but the bits that I did see, uh, they were counter-attacking at will, weren't they, Bournemouth against Newcastle, who were obviously pressing forward. We ain't doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not how Luton do it on the road. Luton looked to contain on the road and hit them on the counter-attack. And I would imagine there'll be space to do that because at some point, that you know, they're in a good run of form. Every one of a Bournemouth persuasion is going to go to the game expecting them to beat Luton, as they would have done if they weren't in good form, but certainly now that they are in good form. So it'll be interesting to see how they cope with that. The one thing I will say about Bournemouth is fair play to them because so many teams in this league will have booted Andoni Iriola out by now. He was the favourite for the sack race for much of the season. Obviously, Paul Heckingbottom won that, but they seem to be improving under him. He had a really, really good record in Spain. I think it was at Real Sociedad where... Uh, I know a couple of people who um, follow the European League said to me when they appointed him, because there was a massive hoo-ha when they sacked mm. Gary O'Neill, wasn't there? I mean, it was like they'd just broken all laws of football when they sacked him. And it turns out that maybe they made the right decision. A few people said to me, he is a damn good coach. And then after the first 10 games, I'm like, you sure it's the right man? <laughs> but actually, it, it, it does seem to be the right man. They seem to be playing more comfortable football and... Every time I saw him on Match of the Day, he always seemed composed, even though they were getting twatted and, you know, copying it from all angles. He was like, no, no, we're all, we're okay. And yeah, so fair play to them. They didn't boot the manager out. They've kind of gone against sort of traditional Premier League rules and kept their manager in place. And, uh, it, and it's helped them. Hopefully it doesn't help them on Saturday though. Yeah. But if we, if we praise Luton for the way that they're consistent, then you have to give it to other people and they do it as well because the, the normal thing would be, and I thought as well that they'd sack him the, the way they did it for for O'Neill, um, which was looking like a silly, silly mistake at the time. But um, you know they've turned a, a corner hugely. I think I think the one thing from watching the Manchester United game, Luton are not going to give up gifts like they did or play in the, the the way that Manchester United did. They haven't done this entire season, so I don't know why they'd start now, but. You have to give Bournemouth credit there. High press really worked, but there was so much space between their defence and their midfield when they were doing so. And um, it, I, Luton just aren't going to do that. They're not going to play it around the back and, and give those opportunities because um, we've got the option to go a bit more direct and uh, probably a good way to bypass that. And so I don't think they'll have the similar sort of joy that they did at Old Trafford. So then it becomes a tight uh, and cagey game because you're almost stylistically playing quite similar. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Man United haven't got a midfield anyway, have they? I mean, that much is obvious without Casemiro. I think it was Amrabat and McTominay who played in centre and midfield. I am not being funny, but I would take the midfield that played for us against Man City on the same weekend, um, Nakamba and Barkley, I'd take them two over the two of Man United every single day of the week. So you're right about that. The And like you say, we can go back to front uh, quite easily, whether it's Eli up front or Carlton Morris, we'll come on to that shortly. But let's pick out some threats in the opposition. I guess the one good thing that Rob Edwards, he's been saying that he's had sleepless nights. He ain't going to have to waste too much time over the chief threat for Bournemouth. 
Dominic Solanke scored goals uh, for both in both seasons in the Premier League. He scored a mountain of goals in that season. They got promoted from the Championship under Scott Parker. And if you're scoring goals under him, you're doing something right. <laughs> Came from Liverpool, didn't he? He was big money signing. There was a lot of sort of fuss around him when he come through Liverpool system. It took him a little while to get get going, but he seems to have hit form now. Eight goals for the season, including the opener at Old Trafford. I think he hit the post at Old Trafford as well. Um, whoever is in the centre of our defence, and we hope to dear God it's Tommy Lockyer, uh, has got to keep very close eye on him. Yeah, he's another one that um, I sort of had pegged as a, champ- a good championship striker, um, but maybe not cut in the Premier League, and he's starting to prove that wrong. But I mean, it's taken him a while to really acclimatise, you know, a season in the Premier League and then having this one and and now in this good run that they're in. But um, yeah, previously where he might need a couple of chances or it seemed like he might need a couple of chances to score a goal. Now, if you give him a chance, he'll take it. It seems to be that it's one of those where you hope that that would happen to your striker if they're in a not particularly good run of form, but they get one and then there's confidence. And the similar way that it's happened to Elijah the last couple of games, similar way it happened to Jacob Brown when he scored two in two. Um, obviously they've not got up to the levels of Solanke at the moment, but um, you can see how it happens. And um, yeah, he is a danger. He's um, quite quick, um, which obviously Tom Nock is going to have to monitor that one, but he's done well against pace largely, by and large so far, um, which is, owes, I guess, a lot to defensive now some positioning, but um, uh yeah, he's he's good. He seemed to be good with his feet. He always seemed a decent build-up player, and it's the final piece was just the the goal that was always missing, and now that's coming. So, yeah, he is a danger. He's probably one of the informed strikers in the league at the moment. Which means, of course, he won't be considered for England uh, under Gareth Southgate. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he is good. He's been in my fantasy team actually since the start of the season. Um, obviously, you've got to get some cheap players in there, haven't you? If you go for Harland <laughs> and Salah, and he seemed as good as anyone. Have the day off on Saturday, though. I'm more than happy for my fantasy team to score nil point uh, this weekend rather than uh, you fill your boots on um, Saturday, Mr. Solanke. That that much is fine. Then you have to kind of not search for threats because there are th- they've got quite a few threats. But most of them we've come up against in the past, though. I mean, you look at Semenyo. We come up against him when he played for Bristol City. Didn't really think much to him there, actually. Good, like you say, good championship player. Seems to have kicked on this season. Thankfully, he'll be missing for the Africa Cup of Nations if we can start reeling them in uh, in a month's time. And then you've got, you know, a couple of other players. Patrick Clivert's son. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. If that doesn't make you feel old, what does? Yeah, I know. Patrick, yeah. I mean, we mentioned about Euro 96, didn't we? A couple of podcasts ago when we reflected on the death of Terry Venables. Patrick Clivert was the forefront of that Netherlands side. Now his son is playing Premier League football. I mean, Jesus, Lord. Um Potential of Max Aaron's playing. He was injured on Saturday, but obviously he's got former Luton connections. Really, really sort of big talent. Hasn't really fulfilled that. But I think the two that we're going to pick out uh, come in the midfield. You, you're a fan of Lewis Cook, aren't you, in the centre of the park? He had a good game at Old Trafford. He did. Everything seemed to, to run through him and um, he led the press very well from from all the, the footage I could see. Um 
yeah, he's always been touted as a very, very useful footballer. It, I, I think this is probably the case for the, the, the lot of the Bournemouth because they've all got good quality, but never really fulfilled it. Certainly in that season where they went up and, and came back down again, but then um, I guess the way they played in the championship to get promoted is um, a benefit to that. And not saying for one second that we want that to happen to Luton, but there's a silver lining if if at the end of it that does. That, that is the case but um, yeah very useful player keeps the ball very well um, can pick a pass and um, yeah he's, he's one that Luton have got to watch out for for sure he is but I mean thankfully we've had good preparation haven't we Declan Rice and Rodri are probably sort of upmarket levels of that particular player in a side so it's not like we've not had good preparation for dealing with Lewis Cook you're right he's a good footballer I've heard him touted about being on the fringes of an England squad, but I mean, to be fair, 300 odd players are on the fringes of an England squad, aren't they? It's That's the talent that we're picking from at the minute. The other one, uh, we'll go back to FootMob, I think uh, the highest rated player on that site with regards to Bournemouth is Marcus Tavernier, who again, we've come up against in the championship two years ago when he was at Middlesbrough. And again, I know he scored the goal at um, Kenilworth Road, or at least I think he scored the goal at Kenilworth Road. But, you know, he's another one. I mean, Chris Wilder was manager there, super Chris Wilder. Um, again, you just looked at him as a good championship player. He didn't think of anything more. Um, but now he seems to be thriving kind of wide out for uh, for for a Bournemouth side that, yeah, he's got the most assists for this season. Yeah, and you've got to give him his dues. That's what people are saying about Luton though, isn't it? They've got a lot of good championship players and then you've got to make the step up and, you know, at the moment he is and there's a lot of Luton players that we can see that's happening. The results aren't coming yet, whereas for Bournemouth they are. Um, I, I remember him being fairly quick. Um, um, but yeah, it's, it, it is surprising, but it just shows you what you can do really because I'm with you really. I just thought, yeah, decent, decent championship player. And maybe even at the start of this season you were looking at him going, oh yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of them there that are really good in there but they're not quite making the grade now and, and and they are now I think um, you know I've read some interviews from the players after the, the games at the weekend and they're saying the reason for it is you know they they were trying to get used to the, the style of the manager and, and and that's right I suppose um, he is playing a different style to the way they did with with O'Neill <clears throat> you did wonder whether there might have been a bit of unrest because of that and maybe that was playing its part but you know he's he's got him playing in a very effective way um you've got to play to the strengths that you've got in the same way at Luton Luton have and at the minute they're they're sort of showing Luton the way of how to do it really and um there's lots of lot to be admire there's a lot to admire about what they're doing at the moment and um you know if he's the man if Tavernier is the man that's up there with all the assists then He's doing something right as well as a man you've got to pay attention to. Yep. A side that's got Philip Billing on the bench. I mean, whenever I've watched Bournemouth against us in the past, he's always been the one that stood out like a sore thumb. If he's only on the bench, I suppose you have to, you really do have to give him some credit. Yeah, absolutely. He's been one of the best player, better players that when we've seen him. Um, very deceptively strong, isn't he? Because he's quite um, slight, but very rangy, I guess. Um uh, yeah, I mean, he scored at the weekend, but yeah, if, if if he's not getting on the pitch, then obviously they've strengthened, they've improved. Um, 
and so yeah it's 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 going to be a really difficult challenge like i say i think that you know given this game midway through the games that have already happened we we'd have fancied it a lot more i i would have definitely but um it's one that you're going to have to be wary of uh, certainly they've um they uh, like we said they play on the counter they've scored just as many set pieces as Luton this season seven although they're um, aerial jewels haven't won nearly as much as Luton. Luton are up there as second in the league for after Everton. So there's definitely a, a route there to where Luton can get some joy, particularly if we're saying they like to press high and we can go a bit more direct and that works. The question then, I guess, is the the formation and the lineup and who we go with, but um, there's there's some options there. Let's go on to that then the formation, who we line up with. Obviously, there's no marvellous Nakamba. We'll come on to the midfield in a minute, but we do have Issa Kabore back. Again, I stress we're recording this prior to Rob Edwards' press conference that we can get this out to you. So you've got plenty of time to digest it before uh, the game. Uh, we know Issa Kabore's back. Are you expecting Issa Kabore for Ryan Giles and an automatic switch? And Alfie Doughty back to the left-hand side? Yeah, I think so. Um, just because that's... Rob said that Alfie likes doesn't mind playing on either side, but I think from from watching it, his best side is clearly the left side, and he goes back over there. I think, and um, you know, it's has only come out because of being ineligible, and I think he had a really good game against um, Arsenal. So I think, um, yeah, I think he comes back in. Is the pace element as well, isn't it? So far, I think Giles is. Unproven, I guess. Um, he had a decent game against Man City without really putting up any trees and didn't really get the chance to run at anyone. That's no disgrace to him because he didn't get a lot of the ball. Um, so I, I would see that as as the option coming in, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, the two sort of question marks, so obviously we know Marvellous is out. I think we're all expecting Sambi Laconca to start the game. Maybe Pelly to come on if indeed Sambi can't do uh, the whole game, which would be understandable, particularly if it gets a bit frenetic, as it's got the potential to do. So the question marks then, ahead of, as I say, preempting uh, Rob's press conference, the question marks is whether Gabe Osho's fit and whether Chiawog Ben is fit. It, let's go on the assumption that Gabe Osho is fit. Does he just replace Amari Bell? Oof. Um, I mean, if you ask social media in the last couple well, of yeah. days, then I think that the answer would be yes. But I think Amari Bell has been killed off, and he is. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I think I think it was harsh, as we said in the Manchester City review pod, that he, yes, it makes a mistake for their winner, but there's a hell of a lot of opportunities to cut that out and and, and prevent the goal. I don't think you can pin it all on Amari Bell, um, particularly. So. Um, that is a really tough one. Um, do you know what? I think I, I would because Gabe, he played fantastically well um, in in the couple of games before. Well, also weekend. you've just mentioned this game could come down to set pieces. Mm. He's just nodded Corker of a header in from a set piece or show. And they don't actually send Bell forward for set pieces, do they? Bell's the one that hangs around on the halfway line. So that in itself would suggest that if we're going to target set pieces and away from home, you've got to. It would be an automatic thing. Forget the fact, well, forget what they do defensively. At some point, you're going to have to be offensive. 
And O'Shea's just a better threat in the box than Amari Bell. That's not criticising anyone or praising anyone on Jews, just how it is. Yeah, he's also uh, better with the ball at his feet as well. So if you do get the option to 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 play out, then he he's better there. He's I would imagine he's quicker. I think you know, I think he's quicker. I don't have the stats to look at it, but I think so. And when you're looking at trying to stop the likes of Solanke, maybe you need that as well. So um, the more I talk about it, <laughs> the more we think about it, I, I would say Usher comes back in. Yeah, Rob didn't seem too sort of downhearted when he spoke about Osho after the Man City game, did he? So that would suggest that he's going to be available unless there's a setback in training uh, in the week leading up to it. The one that no one really mentioned was Chiawog Benny. If he's fit, though, does he get in? Now, this is a stupid thing to say, right? Because the first 10 games, he's probably the player of the season. However... He's not going to get in ahead of Townsend, you wouldn't think, on the road. You want someone who's going to control the ball and the pace of the game. Therefore, he would have to get in ahead of Jacob Brown, presumably. So does he get in ahead of Jacob Brown? Because Jacob Brown's last two or three performances have been very, very good. They have, uh, particularly against City. Uh, Brown was outstanding first half, especially, I thought. Um, Yeah, it is a really tricky one, that, because obviously he's a major threat. He's he's a huge talent and a, a a major weapon in Luton's ability to particularly play on the counter, which you, th- you would imagine they would have to. But um, I wasn't surprised that he was uh, omitted from the City game. That's because when he was playing, he just he wasn't himself. He wasn't as effective. He's obviously he was obviously carrying something, feeling it. We knew that anyway because um, he went away to international duty and couldn't get his foot in a boot and. Uh, you know, I, I asked before the City game, is, is Chio even able to train? They said, well, you know, it's, it's, it's hit and miss really. But I, I understand he doesn't train a lot at the moment because he can't. So whether that 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 sort of effect shaves a couple of percentages of his effectiveness, we are talking about like minute things and minute uh uh, additions and subtractions which can get you or lose your result and maybe that means he doesn't um if you know if 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 he's sort of fully recovered then obviously you want him in you want if a fully fit Gio is going to be on the pitch of course but um, if he's been carrying it since the international break which was what mid november you would suspect that that might be a longer term niggle that he's going to have to overcome and maybe that's Maybe it's too soon. It feels like that that would be the case. I don't know the prognosis. I've not seen any of his uh, medical data. Not that anybody would, obviously. But so I'm not. I'm not saying it from a medical standpoint. Just like from a, you know, a, a gut feeling perspective. Yeah, that's fair enough. The sporting term that you was looking for is the one percenters, isn't it? And that's what they. That's what they all call these days. Thanks to that Team Sky cycling boss. Um, I, I guess he. You know, if even if he's not fit to start, Geo. It'd be wonderful to have him on the bench, wouldn't it? I don't think there's a massive drop-off right now with Jacob Brown starting and then Gio coming off the bench. I would imagine Brown would not necessarily struggle to do 90 minutes, but he's just done 90 minutes against, or best part of, against Manchester City. Uh, And then chasing around again, you know, at some point he's going to have to be managed, particularly as after this Bournemouth game, we've got another three in seven days as well. Uh, So maybe that might be a reason why Gio... He's on the bench, but it'd be a, it'd be a good option if we need someone for the last 
20 minutes or whatever it is, whenever they, he's regularly changed the front three only after about 65 minutes. So if we've got Chio there, that would be handy. The big one, Elijah or Carlton through the mm. middle. I have to stay consistent and say that Elijah's been fantastic for two games and um, Morris, when he's come on, hasn't made the impact that Adebayo has made when he was coming off the bench. Um, so I, I think for that reason, he he starts and you would imagine it'd be one up front, wouldn't you? The challenge then is to um, perform well for him because it's not necessarily his best position. I mean, Morris usually plays that one up top role uh, a bit more effectively, but he does seem like he's really got the bit between his teeth at the moment. Um, and height wise, if we're talking the aerial jewels, Lutner, uh, you know, al- almost a third, they, they've won more, a third more than um, Bournemouth almost this season. And they're up there second behind Everton. If you're going to go direct, then Maybe he's your man. I think he can hold the ball up well. Um, and I think when he's confident, Eli, you really see a difference. And I think, how can he not be at the moment? It's a harsh man, isn't it? That would drop Elijah Adebayo having scored against the champions and the champions elect in the last two games. Absolutely. It, it, we're only going to know if he can do the job away from home. By, like giving him the job go, yeah. exactly. away from home. Yeah, exactly that. And, Again, Carlton will get his chance. You know, we've got three games in se- in six or seven days. Newcastle, Chelsea at home, Sheffield United away. There's no way that we're playing the same 11 in those three games. The intensity, certainly of the two home games, is going to be incredible. So, um, yeah, Carl- Carlton's chance will As Carlton, even if Carlton's on the bench on Saturday, his chance will come because good old Eli, he runs his ass off for 70 minutes. He actually played the whole 90, didn't he, on Sunday. But usually after 70 minutes, it's a switch over as it was the other way around Carlton run his ass off for 70 minutes and then on comes Eli for the last 20 so Carlton will get his chance when it comes he's got to find the back of the net to put that question mark back in hasn't he yeah I think it's one of the, the least worrying areas of the pitch at the moment for Luton because all of them have scored so far um, yeah Morris has not scored for a while and that may be contributing to him being moved out of the starting lineup for now but they all have, and they largely, when they come on, they do a decent job, as the as Brown is showing right now. So, um, the options that Edwards has got, it's a headache, I guess, because he's got to pick the right one. But he's not picking necessarily out of form too much. I mean, you could say Morris is maybe slightly out of form, but we, we, we we've praised what he does off the ball. And, you know, without scoring in, in previous podcasts. So th- there is that work that he does as well. So that goes unnoticed a little bit. But all of them are, you know, doing really well and they've acclimatised quite well to the Premier League. Yeah, they have. Yeah, I'm with you. I've no real, you know, it's not like one is considerably better or worse than the other. You just play the horse for the course, mm. don't you? And, yeah, yeah. and right now Eli's, uh, you know, he's in the kind of form that, I mean, strikers are confidence beasts, aren't they? And Eli's got the confidence and maybe Morris is just needs one to hit his ass much. Like we said that Eli did earlier on, he didn't hit his ass, did it? To kick mm-hmm. Eli into gear. He's, he got that goal against Forrest and he's been fantastic since then. But And uh, arguably, 
um, you, you, there's a, that great stat that he's had four shots on target and scored four times, but he's also had more chances than Morris. I think you can look at the Tottenham one, for instance, that he didn't score, uh, which he should have, but Morris hasn't had those really. So he's doing something right as well to get in those positions. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, I think you've just got to play him in the, in the form he's in when he really fancies it. I think he's a handful. And also he's got this um, unpredictable element as well that I think everybody says, I'm not sure he knows what you're doing half the time. And that's a nightmare for defenders as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, no doubt about it. Carlton will come good. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah, no, no doubt. A fired up Carlton coming off the bench. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in for that. It's not a problem whatsoever. So that's how we see it. We see Issa coming back at right wing back. We see Doughty moving to the left. If we have Osho available, we'll be picking him and Sambi Lukonga to replace Marvin, the centre of the park. That's a decent enough 11. So how do we hurt this Bournemouth side? Well, we hurt this Bournemouth side. The first way we hurt this Bournemouth side is set pieces. Nobody conceded more set piece goals in the Premier League than them last season. Admittedly, that was under... Gary O'Neill stroke Scott Parker for uh, the whole of the season. There isn't really anyone in that defence that wasn't there last season, though. And indeed the goalkeeper. So you wouldn't have thought, it's not like they've signed, you know, a couple of giants to shore that up. You've just mentioned already that they've conceded seven goals from set pieces this season. Luton's, a lot of Luton's play come through set pieces with the quality of Alfie Doughty. Um, so if we can get some free kicks around the box and some corners... I mean, you look at the way we just scored two corners against Arsenal, scored from across against Manchester City. That is an automatic way in. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of Luton's main options and, and weapons, uh, particularly with the form of Alfie Doughty at the moment. He's still way up there for assists and um, meaningful crosses, isn't he? Townsend showed what he could do at the weekend, given just one chance. Uh, and that's the Premier League experience, I suppose. So, and if it comes down to, you know, keeping it tight as has been the case at, uh, on on away days and then countering, you might not get that many opportunities. So uh, you're going to need those players to get the ball in the box, whether it's set piece or crossing from open play. And then that's another, another good shout for Eli, isn't it? Because he's <laughs> four shots, four goals. Yeah, get in front of the goalkeeper again. Hope he flaps at it and um, nod it in again. Yeah, that, I'm guessing they don't count that one against Tottenham <laughs> as a shot. It wasn't really, was it? It came off his ass, didn't it? Well, it didn't go anywhere either, <laughs> did it? It was. It just stayed there. It was. It was very, very weird. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely one way in. The other way in, I would suggest, is down their right hand side. <laughs> Bournemouth's right back. It's kind of like the who's who of Luton Town really in the past, isn't it? They've had Jack Stacey there for so long. He's obviously moved on to Norwich and the guy who was at Norwich from Luton Town, Max Ahrens has replaced him only he's been injured recently. So it looks like unless Ahrens is fit and I don't know the details of his injury, but if you're going to miss Old Trafford, you probably are injured, aren't mm. you really? Um, it looks like Adam Smith will be down that side. Well, he's been playing all across that defence when we played against them in the championship. Never really looked like anything special. So whoever's on the left wing, whether it be Chio, whether it be Brown, or whether he pulls an absolute rabbit out of the hat and goes with Giles down there, whoever it is, I would imagine is going to see quite a bit of the ball. I think so. A lot of it's come down from the left anyway. When Luton have attacked, haven't they? It's it's a good area with players with pace and confidence and uh, and a delivery to match. Um, so yeah, 
it's uh, if if that's the matchup, then I, I think if, if it, whoever the matchup, to be fair, I think that would be that would be a route. The other route, of course, we wax lyrical about him all the time. But if Ross Barkley's roasting Rodri, Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva, Mateo Kovacic, as good as Lewis Cook is, Ryan Christie, Patrick Clivert's son, and whoever else they want in that midfield, you would imagine Ross Barkley's got their number. You've got to say yes. He seems to have everyone's at the moment. You know, he was the best player in the park against Arsenal. Um, and yeah, that, that moment for the goal and a couple of others, the shot he had that just went wide against City showed his quality of what he can do against world-class players. And even though they're in an absolutely stunning vein of form, Bournemouth and Cook as well, and we highlighted him, I think he's a really good player. Um, you know, a, a Barkley in full flight is, is, a, is a threat to anyone. Yep, he he most definitely is. Hopefully he can control that game, certainly in the middle of the park. And um, we can get some joy there. There's a few Bournemouth injuries that are significant, not least Alex Scott, because every time he's played against us for Bristol City, he has looked a serious class act. It's not the fellow, it's not the one that does football focus. It's actually the uh, player who used to play for Bristol City. And... Um, He's out injured. I think he's got a long-term injury, hasn't he? I can't remember which game it was recently, but he went off in one of the home games. Might have been Aston Villa at home. Uh, I think he's done for a, a long time, which is a shame, actually, because they were talking about him, he had, yet again, being another one that's on the fringes of the England squad. So it's kind of helpful that he's not around because every single time we played Bristol City at Ashton Gate, that bloke turned into peak Lionel Messi and it was just like, he was becoming a bit of a pain in the ass. We thought we'd got away from him when we got promoted and then they've gone and signed him and mm. now we're in the same division as him again. Yeah, I, I really like that guy. Um, he, he is a class act and one player that I would have loved Luton to sign, but I think the price... And they signed him for 25 million or the something. The price tag was a bit prohibitive, so there's no go there. But um, yeah, he, he was fantastic at Bristol City. He was their man, wasn't he? The star man. So um, yeah, I... I I'm delighted if he's not playing. I hope he, I wish him well, but not. I don't want him to be playing at the weekend. Yeah, no, it's down on some of the sort of websites. There's a knee injury. I'm pretty sure it was a serious one. I don't expect to see him. Um, I guess one other person that um, deserves a little bit of merit, actually, given what he's gone through, who was on their bench on Saturday, David Brooks. Mm-hmm. Anyone that cancer hits and who comes back recovers from it. I mean, we only know that with our own legend, Mick Harford, anyone who survives any form of cancer and comes out the other side of it, uh, whether you're in our team or the opposition team, you deserve football fans respect. So we're uh, full credit to him for that. Absolutely. Football's just a game at the end of the day, isn't it? And he's, um, you know, life's more important, health's more important. So to be back in the swing of things um, after that is, you know, credit to, to anyone that had to go through that thing. It's, um, yeah, so awful disease and uh, time to you know to battle against it and everything is you know awful, particularly at a young age. So yeah, full 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 credit to him. Um, I don't know if he's been playing recently though, has he? He's on the bench on Saturday, and I've seen him come on a couple of times, and I'm pretty sure he played the same Wales game that Tom Lockyer played in the last international break. So he's there or thereabouts, but obviously if you want to stay on the bench on Saturday, because you are actually a pretty decent player, um, that would be mightily helpful for us. That is us covering the game. But when we sent James out to do the post-match interviews after the Man City game, 
He cheekily added a few questions in on what the players were expecting ahead of this game. Here's the thoughts of Marvellous Nakamba, Elijah Adebayo and Jacob Brown. And they've all got one similar thing and that's taken the performances of the last game very much into this one. Bournemouth are fantastic. They've had a fantastic run of games and results. Um, But again, we then have to go there and play our game um, and take our game to them and see how they cope with it. It's it's, um, it's going to be again a tough, no, there's no easy games in this league. Um, and we just got to make sure that we're, we're on top of them and we try and put our game towards them and then uh, we'll see where, where we come out in the end. Is the challenge now to take what you've been doing at home and on the road? Yeah, definitely. Um, we know that here is tough. We then got to take what we bring here to the away games and make sure that we're that same level of intensity, that chaotic football that we just spoke about is the same away from home as it is at home. And if we can do that um, for large amounts of the games, we'll get our moments and it's about taking the moments and, and essentially taking the points. What's the most important thing to stay in this league? You need points. And the, the gaffer wanted us to try and get something out of these two games that were... Uh, coming up we knew it was going to be tough but again like you said we came so close so close so <laughs> if that doesn't give you confidence then I don't know what will but obviously Bournemouth are in a, a good like place at the minute no but we, um, we're confident with our performance so hopefully we can keep that up and, and get resolved if you look at Bournemouth how quickly they've started to move up the table it only takes a couple of games um, so we're not um, we're not worried about that we just keep working and I think you just got to trust the process and, and the points will come we just have to believe to focus on ourselves as a club. Bournemouth away also to be a tough one. We just have to compete and go there and hopefully to get some positive As I said in the last podcast, we do apologise for the background noise there. The mixed zone at Kenilworth Road. Kenilworth Road's not fit out for a mixed zone. <laughs> and, <laughs> no. Um, no. You, you know, people are charging all around that corridor, left, right and centre. So we apologise for background noise, but we're confident that you heard what you needed to hear in relation to what the boys thought. Ahead of this game, they've, they've got it right though, haven't they? Play like we did against Arsenal, play like we did against Manchester City and there are points in this game for us. As good as Bournemouth have been, they're not Arsenal, they're not Manchester City. There's got to be points everywhere if you if you play like that. And the, you're going to be disappointed and gutted about the way the, the, the games went, particularly the Arsenal one. It was sickening, but in the cold light of day, we had a little time to think of it, slept on it, done a bit of debrief and worked on it there. The way that they've performed in those games was beyond anything I could have expected, I I think. And if they can take that into any other game, then they've got a shot. And the encouraging thing of both of those games is Rob Edwards had a game plan against the best teams in the world and it worked. For ninety well, for the ninety six minutes that the game against Arsenal should have been played for, it yeah. worked almost perfectly. And against Manchester City, bar for the first 15 minutes, it worked absolutely perfectly. If we cut out the soft goals and we play on the ball to the levels that we did, there are definitely points coming. That is for sure. Unless Bournemouth have actually turned into Manchester City, and I'm pretty sure that they haven't. They've just had a friendlier run of fixtures than what Luton have had recently. Yeah, let, let's hope. I mean, it is. It, if you're coming up against a form team, it's, it's tricky. And this division has shown us how ruthless it can be so it's not one to take lightly at all I'm not saying it's going to be an easy task in the slightest particularly at their ground you know it's tight smallest ground in the Premier League so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, 
it is going to be a massive challenge. Absolutely. It is. But hopefully it's one that we can come out on top in. Okay, those of you who are watching us on video, you will see that the set has changed. So we need you to use your imagination skills and pretend that the set is behind us. This is because we'll hold our hands up. We fucked up. We forgot to do the score predictions, James. We did, didn't we? <laughs> we did, and it's all on me, that one. I completely forgot to do it. But we're not not going to go into one of the biggest games of the season and not give you guys a score prediction. So we're on Zoom. As I say, pretend that the background's behind us. If you're listening to this on audio, you've got absolutely nothing to worry about. Nothing has changed as far as you're concerned. Uh, it's just those watching on YouTube. So, James, we've gone through this game, form of the way. We've covered that it's pretty much must win. Therefore, does your score prediction involve Luton winning the game? Yes, it does. I've been debating about whether to go for a draw and sit on the fence, get some splinters, but I think most performances against Arsenal and Man City well warrant something. And um, it'll, it'll be an upset, I think, because Bournemouth are the form team other than Liverpool in the league, like we said. So uh, it will be an upset, but I think they've got to start putting things out of the bag now. So I'm going to go for a 2-1. We needn't have bothered recording these after all, then, because that's exactly the uh, <laughs> sc- that's exactly the score that I was going to go with as well. Um, you know, Luton's only away win so well. Both wins so far this season have been two one, haven't they? Probably going to be a common theme when Luton win because clean sheets are few and far between at the minute. If Marvellous were playing, perhaps I might lean towards a little bit of a clean sheet because we would then be able to have more men around. Dominic Solanke, who we've already identified as the main threat in this Bournemouth side. The fact that he isn't playing might mean that Luton have to go after some goals with so with Sambi in the game. That's uh, highly likely. So, yeah, I mean, we won it, but 2-1 at Everton. We've won 2-1 at home to Crystal Palace. We'll complete the grand uh, sweep of 2-1 wins, our third win of the season. Can be 2-1. They had the score predictions. If you are watching on YouTube, abracadabra, we're about to go back to the main set. That is it for this episode of the podcast. If you are one of the 1,200 or so that are going down to the game, obviously there are fewer of us in this game than there are normally. Tickets were very, very hard to come by. Um, be loud, be proud. We re- The boys really, really need all of your support for what's still going to be a tough game, even though it isn't an Arsenal or a Manchester City. As I say, that is it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks very much for watching or listening, however you've consumed this podcast. Christmas is coming. If you're still looking for a little present to buy someone, Trust Membership is £10 per season or £5 for concessions. The more members we have, the more important it makes things like this podcast and the bigger our say can be in the wider football thing that we've covered on this podcast and indeed all across uh, our website and everything else over the last 12, 18 months and more. So we'd be very much appreciative if uh, you'd like to sign a friend or a family member up to the podcast. In line with Christmas coming, podcasts are going to be coming thick and fast. They will be slightly different around the time of the Newcastle and Sheffield United game. That is just the way the schedule falls. I'm not recording podcasts for you guys on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I apologise, but I'm just not. (laughs) So we will do something slightly different. Please do subscribe to wherever you get the podcast. As soon as something drops, you'll get a notification. You won't miss anything out, but we will still bring content with regards to both Newcastle 
and Sheffield United. It will just be in slightly different form, as we'll explain when we do the Newcastle United preview next week. The next podcast will be the Bournemouth review, which will be out normal time next week, where we're hopefully reviewing a Luton Town victory. My thanks to James for joining me for this preview episode. To you for watching or listening, we hope you've enjoyed it. To the Hightown Club for staging us once again. To Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro, which is still fantastic, even though we're 40-odd episodes into the podcast mm-hmm. for this season. To Edsmith Creative for all the designs that you see on our sets. And, well, there's only one thing to say, isn't there? Massive game. Come on, you atters. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're Luton people. Uh, 